How many of you have ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Bill Murray plays a Pittsburgh weatherman who for the fourth year in a row is assigned to cover Punxsutawney Field, the, the groundhog in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, for Groundhog's Day. Needless to say, he's not happy. He has an attitude, but he goes to cover Punxsutawney Field. When he gets ready to leave, the weather's bad, and they have to spend the night in the city one more time. And when he wakes the next morning, he discovers that it's still Groundhog Day in the city. And no matter what he does, no matter what he changes, he is bound to repeat the same day, Groundhog Day, over and over and over again. He can die, he can mess up, he can blow it, he can do anything. But when he wakes up the next day, he's in the same town repeating Groundhog's Day. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter what you change, you're bound to repeat the same things over and over and over again. You're bound to make the same mistakes. You're bound to fall into the same sins. You're bound to struggle with the same habits. No matter what happens, it seems like you're going to repeat the same thing over and over and over again. Now, if you've never felt that way, great. But I've got to confess to you that I have felt that way before. I mean, I, I, I want to change. There are things that, that I want to be better. There are habits that I want to overcome. There are sins that I want to have victory over. And, and no matter how hard I try... No matter how much I confess, no matter how much my heart wants to change, no matter how repentant I may be, it seems like after a while I will fall back into the same patterns and the same habits that I've struggled with before. I can make the commitments, I can make the resolutions. And yet I'm still struggling. Now, now, what is my problem? What was my problem? Well, I think my problem was twofold. First of all, the problem that I was facing was bigger than my power to handle it. In other words, all my willpower, my positive thinking, my self-imposed discipline was not enough to give me victory. And I think oftentimes that's our problem. We think that our willpower, we think our desire to change, we think our self-discipline is enough to give us the victory. And sometimes it can. But at other times, the problem that we are facing is bigger than that. It is bigger than our ability to handle the problem. I think my second problem was my perspective. You see, I had a tendency to focus my attention on how I could attain victory rather than focusing on the one who could truly give me victory. And that's where fasting comes in. You see, fasting changes our perspective. 
Fasting connects us with a power that can accomplish things we can never accomplish on our own. And so on January the 1st, 2017, I'm here to ask you, what is it that you want to change? What is it that you want to overcome? What is it that you want to have victory over? What is it that you want to accomplish this year that you've never been able to accomplish in the past? Well, what is missing in your life may be the spiritual discipline of fasting. And if you will make a commitment to practice fasting in 2017, you may discover that God will give you the victory that you were looking for. Now, some of you here this morning are wondering why, why in a Baptist church we're talking about fasting, and yet the Bible speaks often about fasting. Jesus taught on fasting. When Jesus was giving the Sermon of the Mount in, in Matthew chapter 6, he talked about three disciplines that, that each of us need to have in our life. And he said, when you give, you need to do this. He said, when you pray, you need to do this. And then he said, when you fast, you need to do this. Now, we all know that, that giving is a discipline that we need to do if we want to be the kind of Christian that God wants us to be. And I think we all know that, that prayer is a discipline that, that we have to have in our life if we want to experience the power of God. And yet, when it comes to fasting, we have this idea that that was then and this is now. And yet, fasting has always been a vital part of walking with God. It was a discipline practiced by, by many people in the Bible. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. David fasted to humble himself before God. Daniel fasted to receive an answered prayer. Elijah fasted for the sins of the people. Nehemiah fasted to receive direction from God. Paul fasted to discover the will of God. And even Jesus fasted. When he began his public ministry. If you do a study of church history, you will discover that virtually every significant leader has fasted. Including reformers like, like Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox. Revival leaders like, like Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, David Brainerd, and Charles Finney. And so let me ask you a question. If all of these saints of old that we read about in the Bible and church history and Jesus himself practiced fasting, how much more do you and I need to practice fasting today? And so what I want to do this morning for a few minutes is, is to attempt to answer three questions that, that I hope will, will kind of help you better understand what fasting is and what fasting can do in your life. First of all, what is fasting? Well, let me tell you what it isn't, first of all. Fasting isn't dieting. You can go without eating and not fast. 
Next, fasting isn't a hunger strike. You can go without eating for the sake of a cause and it not be a fast. And finally, fasting isn't just for monks and priests or or pastors and preachers. Fasting is something that every single believer should do. So what is fasting? Well, here's my definition. Fasting is voluntarily going without food for a certain period of time for a spiritual purpose. Fasting is voluntarily going without food for a certain period of time for a spiritual purpose. Donald Whitney in his book Spiritual Disciplines of a Christian says this, A biblical definition of fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for a spiritual first purpose. We don't fast to lose weight. We don't fast to cleanse our bodies, even though those may be byproducts. We fast because we are seeking to accomplish a specific God-directed purpose. Rick Foster says this, the spirit of fasting includes the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. In other words, what he is saying is there may be other things that we give up, other things we fast from other than food. He is saying that we could fast from, say, TV. Uh, For instance, if you Come home in the evening from work and your form of relaxation is to vegetate in in front of the TV. And you sit down with the TV on for a couple of hours. Then perhaps taking those couple of hours and focusing that attention on God may do you good. It could be Facebook. It seems like some people spend hours and hours on Facebook every day. It it may be for younger people gaming. There are a variety of things that, that we can give up perhaps for a spiritual purpose. The Apostle Paul even said that a married couple by mutual agreement could give up their sexual relationship for a short period of time for the sake of devoting themselves to prayer. You see, we can give up a lot of things To focus our attention on God. But I believe with all my heart the best fast that you and I can ever take part in is a food fast. And here's why. I can live without TV. I can live without Facebook. I can live without video games and and, and gaming. I can live without sex. I can live without all of those things, but I can't live without food. When I am giving up food, I am saying to God, God, I am so hungry for you that I am willing to give up what I need to live to draw close to you. Andrew Murray, in in his book, God's Chosen Fast, says this. Fasting helps to express, to deepen, and to confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. Sacrifice anything to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. Have you ever been at that point in your life 
you're, where you're willing to sacrifice anything, even what you need to live, what you need to survive, so that you can accomplish what you want to accomplish for the kingdom of God, so that you can experience what you need to experience for the kingdom of God. And understand, biblically, fasting is always associated with prayer. What fasting does is it allows us to pray with a laser-like focus. And so it's not just a matter of us giving up food for a certain period of time and walking through our day doing other things. It's a matter of giving up that food and replacing it with a time, a concerted time, a, a deepened time with God. But understand that as we fast, there are things in your life that will never happen apart from fasting. Did you hear me? This is important. The Bible indicates that there are things in your life, there are things in my life, there, there are spiritual mountains that, that we will never climb apart from fasting. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus took three of his disciples up on a mountain and he gave them a taste of what heaven was going to be like. He, uh, he allowed them to, to experience him in his glory. We call it the transfiguration. When Jesus and, and the three came back down off of the mountain, they discovered that there was a crowd gathered around the disciples and, and they were arguing and they were bickering. And the reason they were was that the disciples had tried to cast out a demon from a young boy. And they were not able to. And so Jesus steps in and he cast out that demon. Later on, Jesus is with his disciples. And in Mark 9, verses 28 and 29, it says this. And when he had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not drive it out? And he replied, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. You see, the Bible makes it clear that there are some things that will never be accomplished apart from fasting. And so what is it that you want God to do in your life? What is it that you want God to do in your family? What is it that you want God to do in your nation? What is it that you want God to do in your world? Perhaps. Just perhaps. The thing that is keeping you, the thing that is keeping me from seeing what we desperately want to see take place is we really don't want to desperately see it take place. We aren't desperate to the point that we're willing to fast. That we're willing to give up food, the very thing that we need to live, to cry out to God, begging God to move in a way that we long to see him move. So what is fasting? Well, biblically, fasting is giving up food for, for a certain period of time for the sake of a spiritual purpose. Now, the next question we need to ask is this. How should we fast? 
Now, I'm not talking about what kind of fast because some say that you do a food fast, but you can drink liquids. Others say that you should do a food and a liquid fast. Some say that anything you can put in a blender, you can, you can use. And so I'm not going to talk about that kind of thing. I'm not going to even talk about whether you should do a one-day fast or a three-day fast or a week fast or, or whatever else. I'm talking about the kind of attitude that we should have when we fast. You see, the Bible teaches that fasting is between you and God. And when we talk about how we should fast, we're talking about our attitude that we have when we're fasting. And we're talking about why, the why we are fasting. So let's look at those two things. The, the attitude that we have in fasting and the why of our fasting. Listen to what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6. Verses 16 through 18, Jesus said, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. do they, they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and, and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting. But only to your Father who is unseen. And, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, the Bible clearly teaches that, that fasting is not for public display. Fasting is a private discipline. Fasting is, is not done to draw attention to us. It's done so that our attention will be drawn to God. So when we fast, we don't walk around going, Man, I sure am hungry. We don't pass by what someone is eating and go, man, that really does look good. I'm famished. We don't do that. We don't walk around sluggish and, and have people ask us, what's wrong? And we go, well, no, I'm fasting. I'm just seeking God, amen? We don't do that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we do everything we can to hide the fact that we are fasting. If we are drawing attention to ourselves, notice what Jesus says. He says, we have already received our reward. Our attention or our reward will be, drawn, will be tied to the attention we receive. But when we do our fasting privately, not to be seen by men, notice what Jesus says. He says, we will be rewarded. In other words, Jesus is saying there are huge rewards when we fast with the proper attitude. We're fasting not to be seen by men. We're fasting not to be praised by men. But we're fasting to get into the presence of God. God says when we do that, he will reward us. And in other words, the things that we are longing for, the things that we are seeking, the things that we are asking for, he will do. Maybe we feel stuck in our career. Maybe we feel like our marriage is going nowhere. Maybe we've got this breakthrough that we desperately need. And perhaps, just perhaps, God is waiting on us to establish this discipline of fasting. 
so that he can give us that breakthrough that we desperately need. And so first of all, how is your attitude? Are you doing it to be seen by men? Or are you doing it to to enter into the presence of God? Next, I want you to look at a passage in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 58. This is perhaps one of the, I believe one of the most practical passages on tithe, on, on fasting in the entire word of God. And listen to what it says beginning in, in verse 1. It says, shout it aloud, do not hold it back. Raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? God's telling Isaiah, I want you to raise your voice, declare how the people are rebelling, show them their sins. And then he says, day after day, you're seeking me out. You seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say? And you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? And so the people are saying, God, here we are. We're fasting. We're worshiping. We're doing all of these things and yet you haven't even noticed what we're doing. Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break Forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear God. Then you will call. And the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the press, then your light will rise up in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. You see, just as fasting isn't for public display, it's a private discipline. 
The Bible teaches that fasting is not to get from God what we want. Fasting is for the purpose of getting us in the position where we will do what God wants. Fasting puts us into that place. It puts us into that attitude where we discover the heart and the mind of God. Listen to what it says in verse 3 again. In one translation it says, you do as you please. The New Living Translation says, you are fasting to please yourselves. In other words, you come to God, you go without food, you put on some sackcloth, you throw a little ashes on your head, and you think that you can ask God whatever you want, and God will do it. We need to understand today that just as we don't go to God in prayer asking God to give us our selfish desires, we don't go to God in fasting asking God to give us our selfish desires. We go to God in prayer and fasting asking God, begging God to change us so that we will want what God wants. You see, when the Bible says that when we seek him and search for him, we will find him. When the Bible says that he will give us the desires of our heart, it's not saying that he will give us anything we want. It is saying that when we really long for him, when we thirst for him, when we seek after him, we will get what we want because we will have him. And when we have him, it will change everything about us. You see, fasting isn't some religious incantation that you take part in so that God can be your good luck charm. Fasting is begging God and asking God to work in your life and change you so that you can be the person he longs for you to be. So what is fasting? Fasting is giving up food. For a certain period of time, for a spiritual purpose. How do we fast? First of all, we need to understand that fasting isn't a public display. It's a private discipline. Something we do not to get the attention of others, but we do to enter into the presence of God. And then second, fasting isn't to put us into a position of getting from God what we want. Fasting is putting us in a position so that we will want what God wants. So why should I fast? Well, the scripture gives us many reasons to fast. Many, and you can just read the scripture. You can, you can go to your computer and, and plug in a search of all the times that fast and fasting and fasted is used in scripture and then look at the verses around those and you can discover some ways that fasting was used and some things that fasting did but but fasting accomplishes so much but let me tell you what fasting doesn't do you don't fast to impress god you don't fast to earn god's acceptance I understand you were made acceptable to god by the blood of jesus christ And there's nothing that you can do. There's no spiritual discipline that you can perform that will make you more acceptable 
or more loved by God. And so if you're here today and you're, you're thinking, man, God just doesn't love me enough. I want God to love me more. I want to be more accepted by God. You, you need to come to that place where you understand that praying more isn't going to make you more acceptable. Fasting more isn't going to make you more acceptable. Giving more isn't going to make you more acceptable. You are acceptable, acceptable to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. But what fasting can do is incredible. Now I want you to focus on what Isaiah 58 says fasting can do, okay? Instead of us just taking a look through the entire word of God, let's just look at some things in Isaiah 58 when, when, when God says, here's what a true fast looks like, here's what a true fast can do. Let's see what it says. First of all, fasting can break every chain that binds. In verse 6, the King James says, fasting looses the, bond, the bonds of wickedness. In, in the NIV, it says, fasting unties the cords of the yoke. It sets the oppressed free. It breaks every yoke. The New Living Translation says, it removes the chains that bind people. You see, many of us have areas in our life that we are struggling with. Addictions, habits that I am convinced are only going to be broken through the power of fasting. For some reason, it seems like in our day and age, we don't understand spiritual strongholds. We don't understand what, what the author of Hebrews says, that, that there are sins that easily entangle. There are sins that Satan can use in your life to entangle you and trip you up that he will not use in my life. There are sins that easily entangle. There are generational sins. And what I mean by that is, is there are addictions and there are habits that are passed down from generation to generation and generation. And I'm not trying to get all supernatural here. I'm just trying to tell you that, that in our lives there are things that are passed down. And they are so rooted within us that it's going to take a mighty work of God to set us free. There are some of you here this morning who struggle with sexual addictions. And if the truth were known, you could go back and you may find that, that your parents or your parents' parents and before them struggled with those same things. There are some of you that struggle with alcoholism. There are some of you that, that struggle with this, this poor self-esteem. And if you go back, you can, you can follow that route. And the fact of the matter is, when it comes to some of these strongholds in our life and some of these sins that easily entangle and some of these generational sins, we have to do more than just be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We have to do more than just pray. We, we may have to pray and fast to be set free from, from these demons that, that are enslaving us. Second, 
True fasting can change our attitude toward others. Look at verse 7 again. It says, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and, and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? You see, when we fast, it makes us more sensitive to the people around us and the needs in their life. When we begin to, to have these pains of hunger go through us, we begin to have a small taste of what it is like for over half the world's population to go to bed every night hungry, to live on a cup of beans or a cup of rice every single day. And, and as we begin to enter into their pain and their hurt and their life, it allows us to have a little more compassion for these people, and it should change our attitude toward them. And it should cause us to want to get more involved in helping to solve the problems that we see in people's lives. So it changes our attitude toward people. A third, it helps us live a righteous life. Look at verse 8. It says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your real guard. Fasting has a tendency to reveal hidden sins in our life. Because as we fast and as we pray and as we spend that extended time into the presence of God and we get closer and closer and closer to the throne and we are exposed to the light of God, those things in our life are going to be exposed. They're going to be revealed. And all of a sudden, things that we never even saw as sin before, we're going to begin to see as sin and we're going to want to deal with it and we're going to confess it and we're going to repent of it and turn from it. And, and we're going to be more righteous. And our righteousness is going to shine like a light in the world. Fourth, it allows my prayers to have power. In verse 9 it says, Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help. And he will say, Here I am. I mean, when you fast, it's like your prayers are on steroids. They have a, an extra boost of power. And I, I know that sounds weird, and, and I know some of you may have a problem with that, but, but that's what the Bible says. The Bible says when we go to God with the right attitude, with the right spirit, and we're fasting in the right way, then our prayers are going to be answered. We're going to cry to God for help, and God's going to say, here I am. Next, when we fast, we will experience God's guidance. Verse 11 says, the Lord will guide you. Do you need guidance? Your needs will be met. Verse 11, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Do you have needs, legitimate needs that aren't being met? Perhaps what you need to do is you need to fast and pray and seek God. And maybe God will reveal to you in that time of of fasting, why it is that those needs aren't being met, and then he will begin to meet those needs. And then finally, 
when we fast rightly, our light will shine out in the darkness. Look at verse 10. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. And this speaks to us not only individually but corporately. And let me just say this and then we're going to wrap this up. In 2017, God's really laid on my heart one word for us as a church. And that one word is multiply. In November, over 150 of you already made the commitment saying that your desire is to reproduce yourself each and every year, to leave a spiritual legacy. And you made a commitment to multiply yourself. And in 2017, we as a church are going to focus on that. How we as individual believers can multiply ourselves in our community, in our, in, in our state, in our nation, and in our world. Individually as believers, collectively as churches. So that light will shine in the darkness. Because understand, we aren't making ground. We're losing ground. The lost population is growing and growing and growing. And the church, at least in America, is remaining stagnant. Why? Could it be because we really don't care? Could it be because we're self-centered and we are self-focused? Could it be because we have not individually and collectively gone before God, praying and fasting and begging God to do something in us and through us in our world? What is the breakthrough that you need in 2017? I know what mine are. But what are yours? Maybe, just maybe. The one thing that you're going to have to do to experience that breakthrough is to begin to develop the discipline of fasting. Perhaps you set aside one day a week where you say, this is the day where I'm going to come before God and I'm going to fast for him. Maybe you you set aside several days a month where you have several days back to back where, where you say, during this time, I'm going to focus all my attention on God, what he wants to do. And every month I'm going to do that. God may be calling some of you to to more extended fast. I don't know, but here's what I do know. The Bible is clear that God expects you and I as followers of Jesus to fast. And the Bible makes it clear that there are some things that you and I will never experience in our life apart from fasting. So what I'm calling you to this morning as we enter 2017 is to make a commitment. You decide what it looks like. But make that commitment to begin to put into practice this discipline this year so that God can do in you and through you more than he has ever done before. I want you to close your eyes with me and I want you to bow your head and 
with your eyes closed and with your head bowed, I just want you to take a moment and I want you to pray. And if you're willing to make that commitment right here, right now, you may not know all that it looks like, but you're saying, God, I'm going to do this. I just want you to take a moment and make that commitment right here, right now. This is between you and God. Father God, apart from you, we can do nothing. But with you and in you and through you, we can do the impossible. Lord, I know that you have placed in the hearts of people in this room this morning God-sized dreams. Lord, I know there are people in this room this morning who who long to be set free from habits. They they are broken by those habits. They long to be set free, but they've they've just never experienced that, that freedom. Father, I know with all my heart there are people in this room this morning who who are in relationships that just aren't where they need to be and they so desperately want a relationship that is pleasing to you, that's honoring to you, that brings joy to you and and joy to them. And Father, we know that that for some of us here, what's lacking is, is our desire, our willingness to come before you fasting and praying. So Lord, do a work in our life. Accomplish your dreams. Break us free from the chains. Restore relationships today, I pray. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.